are listening to the Worthy Pieces podcast. I'm your host, Jonda Davis, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing another dear friend of mine, Courtney. She was inspired to share her incredible story and her own mental health journey as she's navigated her life for the last 21 years of losing her father to suicide. I'm really excited to have you. Courtney, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I do have to be honest with you and tell you, I really am honored. And I feel like this is a big piece I need to touch on because you actually sent me a text a few weeks ago, just thanking me for the podcast and sharing a little bit of like the meaning that this podcast has brought into your life. And I deeply want to appreciate you for that because that meant the world to me. Um, Not only because I've kind of been your friend for so long, but also just the fact like my intention and the meaning of behind this podcast is actually working. So I appreciate you working out or I appreciate you reaching out, but I'm even more appreciative that you're, you're wanting to come on here and be part of this journey with me. Okay. I'm not going to cry before we even start. <laughs> You're so you can sweet. Cry. I feel like, and, and maybe this is something that we need to preface, right. For those listening that like, I feel like both of us will probably get teary eyed. And you know, this, even though we're talking about your story with this, for those of you that are listening, we're talking some heavy things. This is Courtney's life, but obviously this is a topic that is not talked about, especially in Utah. We kind of just push it to the side. And when the word suicide comes up, it's something that people run from. And so I do want to put that out there that for any of these listeners, like this may be triggering, it may be upsetting, it may be emotional. And as always, I'm going to just invite you to sit and listen and be emotional with us because that's my whole intention. So I invite you to cry. I will probably cry with you. And yeah, Courtney, so let's I just want to dive into it of of letting people get to know you and your story. So if you don't mind just starting off kind of who you are and a little bit of your family history. All right. Well, as Rhonda said, my name is Courtney. I am, let's see, I've been married for 10 years. I have three kids. Um, I had kind of an interesting upbringing. So I, growing up, I had half of about half of my life you know, with my mom, my dad, and my sister. And the other half was a blended family, which, you know, like we we are pretty seamless. Like we just became family pretty immediate, you know, immediately. Um, Okay. So when I was younger, my dad traveled a lot for work. So he was gone often throughout the week um, and then was home on the weekend. Sometimes he was home for like a month out of the or a week out of the month or so. Um, but he, we were used to him being gone, which is a very interesting part of when he died. Um, because it was, it was a strange adjustment because we were used to him not being present in our day to day, but we were very much dealing with, um, the loss of every and what had happened. Um, but yeah, so Yeah, let's see. I'm trying to think of how to even articulate this. Um, But yeah, so we were used to my dad being gone. He was on the road quite often. Um, And, you know, like, I think because of that, there were certain signs of things going on with him that we had missed. Um, we, We knew things were had gone wrong. It was probably nine months of me being able to see that there was like some real problems happening before he died. Um, and then that just got kind of progressively worse towards the end. But at the same time, you know, he was a very present, happy person. So it, it caught a lot of people off guard. Um, pretty much everyone was completely baffled that any anything like this could happen. And there, that was mentioned a few times, you know, that it doesn't happen to people like him because he was just always such a happy go lucky person. As far as people knew, he was very good at masking what was going on. Yeah. But, Which for you, so this happened 21 years ago, right? That's what you told me. Yes. Um, yeah. He died right after I turned 13. Okay. So you were pretty young and how old are you? Mm-hmm. How old was your sister? Um, my sister was 18 at the time or well, almost 18. Okay. So, I mean, you guys were still really, really young and just kind Mm -hmm. of stepping into like your really like adulthood of your life. Yes. 
And I mean, if I'm hearing you right, like just because dad was gone, it was kind of, I guess, like a comfortable thing for you guys to experience dad, not always there, but dad very much in your life. But then also it was shocking for you guys, as you said, that there were very little warning signs. And I'm sure through your own healing process, like you and your family and everyone affected by it kind of replayed the tape as everybody did to try and figure out what you could have said differently or did differently or stepped in and intervened. Exactly. And I know that like with my sister and I, we each, um, we each have had turns of feeling like it was our fault. But we know, I'm like, we are, we both very much know that it wasn't, um, but we each had, we each had our turn with it, thinking it was because of us. Yeah. What was, I mean, you were younger, but you definitely understood as that 13 year old girl, right? So like, what was mm -hmm. it like for you being that young? Oh, traumatic. <laughs> um, 13 is a really hard age in itself. Um, I was bullied a lot because of it. There were a lot of rumors spread about, you know, that I was not like a good person to be around because he, um, he had committed suicide. There were lots of different rumors about how he had died that were going around school. And I lost almost all of my friends. And so it was extremely difficult. Um, and my mom moved forward in life fairly quickly. Um, not she didn't move on, you know, quickly, but she moved forward in life and she got married a year later. And that was very, like, I, I was grieving in a very, very different time frame than her. And so like, you know, that was yeah. difficult as well. There was a lot of life changes. My sister went off to college. So it was like, there was a lot going on for me, um, for yeah. those, that first year or so. Well, and I think that you hit on like two big points, right? Like you even said it with your dad that he put that mask on right? It's like, that's the mm -hmm. epitome of really like our generation, that, that emotional intelligence that they are lacking, that mental health wasn't talked about. And for a lot of people, like they didn't really understand what depression was or suicidal thoughts or how to talk to someone because it was very much frowned upon. And so, you know, your dad living in that mask and putting on those faces, everybody understands very different than like our generation growing up and kind of being encouraged to talk about feelings and emotions and what's going on behind the mask. And then you have your mom who kind of, like you said, picked up the pieces because, you know, really I think in her generation too, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Like you're not supposed to let things bog you down and you're supposed to pick it up and create this family and create this home life for, for your kids and, and for the future. Yeah, exactly. So after losing him, like, like you said, the mental health journey for you was very, very different obviously 21 years, like you've gone through probably a roller coaster of emotions and, and grieving, but what has it been like for you, especially in the last few years? Uh, it's been really rough, to be honest. Um, you know, I would, I would say that the first five years um, were, were really difficult for me, um, partly because of all these different life changes, and I was still just stuck in it. Um, you know, but, you know, after that, it was really back and forth with really whether I was okay or not. And sometimes it would revolve around like his birthday or the anniversary of him dying, you know, not so much life events, but just the reminders. Um, sometimes it would really kind of rock me back and forth um, about, well, let's see, it was probably about eight years ago. I became really angry again. And um I mean, I probably spent a better part of a year just like really upset about everything again. And then I was pretty good for, for a while. And then last year, it's like I completely spiraled and I was in probably one, like the deepest, darkest part of depression that I've been in since he died. So it's been a roller coaster, yeah. <laughs> but I'm... In, I'm a work in progress. Yeah, which everyone is, right? We all have those demons in our closet, whether we choose to admit it or not. So, I mean, there's no shame in your roller coaster because I think we're all on a different ride, you know? How has, so going back to like your sister and your guys' grieving and your relationship, what has your sister's relationship been like as you've ridden that roller coaster? Uh, well, my sister and I are very close and 
you know, we definitely lean on each other. Um, maybe not all, as much as we should. <laughs> um, but I think she handled, she definitely handled things differently than I did. And maybe it was a maturity level from the get-go um, where she just, she had a different perspective on life. Um, just being a little bit older than I was, but we, I think we, we both have like, you know, she, she's definitely has had a roller coaster, but she has not outwardly struggled as much as I have for sure. She's pretty level-headed. I was going to say, do you think that's also kind of like the similarities your mom and her share in the sense that it's just kind of that pick up the pieces and move on? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. And you seem like a lot more open about talking about your journey than maybe what your sister has done. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I, my sister is, um, historically been really shy. She's much better about that than she's ever been, but she doesn't really speak outwardly about, um, what happened with my dad very often. We did, um, we did an interview together with my cousin, um, for a local, um, radio station here a few years ago. Um, but that's really the only time that I, to my knowledge that she's talked about it. And in our family, like we really didn't even talk about it together. My sister and I have talked about things from time to time, you know, different memories and kind of working through different thoughts and trying to put pieces together. But like, we didn't sit down and talk with my mom until the weekend before we did that other interview. Like we really just didn't, we just didn't talk about it. Even like, even after it happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was what about 17 years before we sat down as a family to talk about it. That has to be eerie, right? Like you just lost your dad. You're in young, like you're young, you're in high school, you're dating. And like, none of it is getting talked about. It's like the big fat elephant in the room. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it definitely was too painful to talk about. And even like, even with going back to school and, and, you know, some people knew that my dad died, but they didn't know anything around the situation. They just knew that he had died. And when I went back to school, there were people that would ask like, oh, what happened? And I mean, it was, it was years before I could admit that it was a suicide because it was just too painful to even think about, you know? And so, um, you know, I went through a few different scenarios. Like I, at one point I said, you know, that like he was sick at one point it was like, there was something with his brain. At one point I said it was complications from a car accident. Cause he had a major car accident the year before, but I just came up with whatever excuse that like made me feel better. That was slowly getting closer to the truth. Well, and I feel like at 13, like, did, do you remember thinking like looking back, do you really remember understanding fully what suicide was and like what your dad actually did? Um, I think it took, well, I think I comprehended it pretty quickly. Um, and it was like, it was a very strange thing because there was one point the day of, um, like my mom, my sister and I, we left without my dad to go to um, a, my sister had an audition for a music scholarship. And so we had left without him to go to, to that. Cause we couldn't be late for her appointment. And my, like, there was one point where my sister and I kind of looked at each other, like, as like the last time we saw him and we both just like knew it was the last time we saw him. So I feel like there was as traumatic as everything was, I feel like there was also a level of acceptance as soon as we knew something was not, not wrong, but like, we just, we just knew in a sense that something, something was going to happen. And that was going to be the last time that we saw him. And then it was very eerie coming home. Like, cause we just knew something was off. But my mom knew it was really eerie for my mom as well. And that was the first time that that had like kind of hit with her. 
Because she knew as well, or she was totally blindsided? Um, she was totally blindsided, but, um, but it was just like a real, it was just a really eerie feeling going home. And I still get it sometimes. Like if I'm in the right place at the right time of day, I will get it still to this day. Like I'll still like kind of feel that, like kind of pull on my stomach, but, um, yeah, I mean, we comprehend like we knew exactly what happened pretty quickly um, once he was found. Um, but, you know, cause my sister and I were sitting on the stairs when my mom called 911 and she had to explain what had happened. So my mom was the one who had found him. And then, um, you know, so, I mean, like we knew pretty quickly and then. Um, Which you're old enough. It was right? a like lot. 13, it was a lot. Baby, mm-hmm. But that's just right. so heavy to comprehend at 13. And I mean, our generation really, like we talked about it, but again, it was even more of a taboo subject for us. And so I think that like for 13 years old, like you, you probably comprehended it, but also I think like in that generation, it was, you know, not really talked about. It wasn't a thing in our society that was Mm -hmm. happening or at least being talked about as regularly as it is now. Oh yeah. Most of, I think most of what I knew was from jokes from school of like, think like most of what I knew beforehand were kids just being dumb and making jokes about things. And so, I mean, I was aware of, you know, I was aware of suicide and I had known one person before that had committed suicide, but, um, it was like a neighbor when I was really little, but other than that, that was the closest thing I had had to kind of not really compare. It's not a comparison, but like related to, I get that. Related. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like for you and your sister, like that gut feeling, was it just the fact that he was your dad and you guys had that emotional connection? Or like you said, was it, was it events leading up that kind of you and your sister were aware of that maybe mom didn't catch on to? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'm like, there were definitely events that, um, like that morning of the day of you know, that had led up to everything that we definitely like, and I'm sorry if I'm being really vague, it's just one of my most difficult things that I've been working through. But um, yeah, the events from that morning were traumatic within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was interesting because I mean, he had been in like an off mood that morning. He had gone and spent sometime doing some yard work for a neighbor. Like he had talked with my grandpa on the phone, you know, and of course, when he was talking with my grandpa, he was just like his normal self, you know, just kind of mask that. And then it was just like shortly after it was like a switch had flipped and it was a whole level of aggression that I had never seen before. Like he was just completely a different person. And, um, and you know, and that was a big part of why we left without him. We were like, okay, well, we got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I would say it was definitely the scariest day of my life. And, you know, when I'm like, there was just like that one moment, you know, my sister and I were like, that's it. That's the last time we're going to see him. It was terrifying in that moment. Cause I mean, at the same time, like it was relieving in a way, um, like it was like a huge wave of relief, like, okay, we're we're okay. But at the same time, it's like, but we're never going to see him again. It yeah. like, it was just clear as day. Like, I know that that's, that's just the situation, which is, I didn't comprehend that in the moment. Yeah. yeah well, that's what I was going to say is that that's like, I mean, you, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, my story, right. In the sense that like, I'm very spiritual and I believe in those gut feelings and the intuition and so like, that was going to be my next question. Like, did you and your sister recognize that individually and come together talking about it later? Or it wasn't until the 17 years later conversations that you guys were able to make that connection. Um, I mean, like, so we came together and we talked about it, but we didn't talk about it with my mom until that weekend before. So my, but I mean, it was still probably 10 years later that we really started to talk to each other about different things from that day. We really just shoved it down. (laughs) Yeah. Which I mean, 
probably related to a lot of your processing later in life because you've shoved it down for so long. And I mean, something like this, like a suicide alone is heavy, but when it's, you know, your father, it's a whole other world for you to process and look at and work through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a whole slew of issues that came from it as well. (laughs) And, you know, not just, not just the loss of him and the grief, but I've learned that I have a whole, I'm like, with my spiral that I had last year, I would, I had a trigger that I didn't know was a trigger for me and it wasn't in the past. So, I mean, it's so, and I don't know if it was just that we had hit that 20 year anniversary. And then like, I was, I thought I was in the best place I'd ever been. And then all of a sudden I was in severe deep depression again. It was something totally like un, like unplanned for surprise mm-hmm. kind of that you just, like you said, you weren't aware of that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was like a couple little pieces that like just fell into place in the wrong way. <laughs> and I mean, with that initial trigger, I mean, it was a few months later that I was suicidal myself. So, I mean, it like, it, it was, when I say it was a spiral, it was like deep, massive spiral for me. And was it, cause you said you've been working on this, like your own journey with therapy and everything. So was it something that like through therapy, you kind of uncovered and recognized, or is this something that just happened like in everyday life that, like you said, you were starting to put together and then it just exploded. Um, it definitely exploded first. Um, okay. there, therapy helped. Um, and I've, to be honest, I've had a very complicated relationship with therapy. And I may have mentioned this to you before, um, just cause I had really bad experiences after my dad died. Um, and I think part of it was that I wasn't grieving the way that like my family was grieving. I was very much stuck in, I was very much stuck in my grief and, um, just cause you, you know, weren't talking about it you feel like, or what, like what made it different than the rest of your Yeah. Family? I'm like, well, cause I, I definitely really shut down. Um, and I wasn't interested in talking about it to anyone. I just wanted to just do my thing and that wasn't an option, you know? And so, um, you know, and I, I completely understand that my mom was doing what she felt like was best for me. Um, you know, with making me go to therapy and, I just wasn't in the place to accept it. And, um, at times, you know, there was, you know, medication, you know, being shoved at me and that I wasn't yeah. in, and like, it's not really what I needed. I just needed, I think I just needed to feel the stability, you know, that get to kind of bring that comfort back into my life. Not that, you know, not that I didn't have that, but I want, I needed to feel it in a different sense. Yeah. Um, when you had to do it in your time. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, and it was not on my time at, um, at that point, but, um, it took a while for me to be open and willing to accept help, um, to accept help. Um, and so, you know, more recently, you know, it, I definitely didn't let others in when I needed to. And, um, I mean, eventually I did, but very slowly, um, I wanted to feel okay enough to be willing to talk to others, you know? And so, I mean, I was very open with my husband through, um, the deepest part of my struggles and he was not happy. (laughs) He was out of town, of course, you know? And so there wasn't much that he could do to to really help me in like the very worst of it. Um, but yeah, I have had kind of an on and off relationship with therapy and I definitely need to dive into it more, but uh, there has been a, a lot of self-reflection. I've been trying to do shadow work and, you know, really kind of find this grounding piece inside of me. Yeah. Which I think that's very honest of you to say, 
that you have a love-hate relationship with therapy because I think most people do like I always make the joke I know that like coming to a therapist it's not fun like I wish I my clients could come to me and tell like you're coming to tell me the best days of your life and you're not you're coming literally to tell me like the worst moments of your life and it sucks to talk about so I totally appreciate you recognizing that because it's very honest that I you know I think there's very few people out there that genuinely like yeah I love going to see my therapist every week and talking about the worst moments of my life it's just it's one of those like weird taboo subjects I think yeah and so so your healing didn't really like start officially happening until up about a year ago when you were really like ready to admit things are coming to a head and really for yourself, look at this. Um, yes and no. I feel like I've done group, uh, not groups of healing, but like I've, I've definitely had different like stages. T- yes. Yeah, stages. Um, you know, I, I find that every, I don't know, every few years I uncover something new or a different part of myself, either something new about my dad or some, or something about myself. And then I work through that and it may not have been the most healthy way of dealing through the, um, dealing, um, with my mental health and everything going on. But at the same time, it's been, I've had some really incredible moments like before I did the interview a few years ago, you know, I, I talked with my cousin about a lot <laughs> because I mean, we never, where we never talked about it. No one in our families knew really what had happened. They didn't really, I'm like, they just didn't, they were so in the dark still about everything. And, um, there were things that were pretty important to like my uncle, um, my uncle passed um, shortly before with that interview. And so there were things that he had always wondered about that I was kind of able to kind of put their minds at ease. You know, it's like, oh, there, there really wasn't anything that he, that he could have done, you know, cause he had definitely felt at fault as well. Um, but there were so many things that we had just kind of talked through that was incredibly healing for me. And I, I don't feel like I would have gotten to that point had I not been terrified and, you know, said yes to doing that interview. Yeah. And here you are now doing a second one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I am. And a lot of like, I mean, obviously it's respect and privacy of your family and for your guys' own like healing process. But I think a lot of this like was, was the, how do you want to say it? Like the, I don't want to say that you guys were hiding it, but like the, the lack of motivation to talk about it in detail. Obviously that came from like shame and, you know, really also respecting your dad and like what his, his mental health journey was. Did you have a lot of people feel like pressure you into sharing that story or, or digging to the pieces to figure out why? Oh, definitely. Um, and yeah, so that was, we definitely did, um, whether it be family and friends, but, part of why we didn't talk about it was that it was just so painful, you know, but at the same time, there's a certain protection that we've given my dad, um, with not talking about certain details, um, just so that people remember him for the person that he was and not for what his struggles were and kind of what happened, but, you know, just, we just want to kind of protect their image of him. And it's a way also to like honor your dad, right? Because Mm -hmm. again, it goes with the stigma of suicide is that so many people have so many large feelings about it of this was selfish. How could they do this to us? Like they made this decision. And I mean, as some of those may be factually true, like it's a whole other journey from this different perspective, especially from your dad's and what you guys experienced. It's, it's unexplainable. And it's something that, you know, even I think his daughters or, you know, his, like his family, it's harder to see and understand because it was really his journey. And what, you know, again, going back to the mask, what people saw was not intentionally of like what he was going through internally. And that's for some reason, we, as a society, like logically have to pick that apart because we think that by understanding and having the question of why answered it makes it okay rather than focusing on kind of like what we're doing here right is like your experience like I always say the question and for those listening to the podcast they probably have heard me say the why doesn't necessarily matter because it doesn't make your emotions go away 
Like if I were to say, Courtney, why did your dad do it? It's not going to change the fact that you've gone through your own turmoil or pain or like depression because he's gone. Like the pain is there. The emotions are here. And it's understanding like what that is like for you, not necessarily trying to pick it apart for him. Exactly. I'm like, it doesn't change. It doesn't change the situation. So. Yeah. Have you found yourself over the years? I mean, and obviously when it first started happening, have you found yourself really trying to pick it apart and understand why is part of your healing journey? Or was that something that you were able to let go pretty early on? At times, um, you know, I, my sister and I definitely had our suspicions um, once we eventually came together and talked. Um, At first, I, well, for a long time, I, I had attributed, attributed it to, um, just some, just some things that had happened, you know, that it just kind of caused a spiral and he just wasn't his normal, happy self anymore. Um, and spiral is probably the wrong word to use with that, but I mean, it definitely, his mental health was definitely more noticeable, you know, the, the months leading up to him dying. Um, but I know that he really tried to kind of hide it from us, but at the same, or at least from my sister and I, but we knew what was going We like, I'm like, we knew that things were going on at the same time. So, um, and more than I think my parents wanted us to know for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like, it, it's kind of interesting how it's kind of evolved as time has gone on because I had, like, I knew without a doubt kind of what was going on, but that at the same time, there was a bit of immaturity with it. Like I just didn't understand life as much. And so once I became an adult, I started to see things differently. And I mean, it was kind of a few years into adulthood that I started talking with my sister about it and um, kind of I'm not comparing notes, but just kind of picking at each other, like each of our perspectives as to like what things had gone on and like things that we had seen and things that we had heard um, to try and piece things together. And then, um, you know, I definitely learned a bit from her. Um, and eventually when we talked with my mom, it was absolutely no surprise when she told us, you know, what his greatest struggles were, hmm. which I think caught her off guard that we weren't surprised because yeah. she had never talked about it with us. Yeah. But you guys were there and you were old enough to see, you know, I mean, 13 years that you were able to watch dad and get to know him. And like you said, especially if it's events leading up in the last couple of years, of course you're going to notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What has been, I mean, other than last year, like what are, what has been some of the worst parts for you in your grieving process? Oh, in the last year, um, you know, I, so, I mean, it was a little over a year ago at this point, I had a disagreement with my mom and I mean, it just kind of blew up to be honest. And so there, like, there was some great miscommunication that happened between us. And I ended up not having a relationship with my mom for the rest of the year. You know, like we, we rekindled things earlier this year, but we went, you know, a good piece of the year, um, not having any, any kind of relationship. And, um, that was the big, I think that was really the beginning. Um, and I may have subconsciously been in a, a little different mindset just because of, you know, I'm like, I don't know if it had to do with the 20 year anniversary or what was going on. Cause I was in such a great place. And then all of a sudden, you know, this traumatic, like, you know, I'm like, it was still traumatic, you know, you know, all of a sudden, like my mom wasn't in my life anymore. And my poor sister was stuck kind of in the middle between us, but she, she let us each like kind of deal with our own sides and kind of gave us the space to really kind of work through our own issues to come back together. But, um, it was, 
Oh, a couple months after that. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, I definitely was struggling. And then it was a couple months after that, that my husband went out of town and it was just like, it was almost like basically like an explosion within myself. Like all of a sudden, like, I mean, he was gone for a few days. And in that time frame that he left, I was unable to function. I had started cutting like it was, um, you know, I'm like, and I was just home with my, my kids and it's like, they knew that I wasn't okay. And like my oldest just stepped up to like, take care of the other two. And was just like, you, you rest, you take care of you. I've got this handled kind of thing. Like, and you know, she doesn't know the details of like really what all I was going through. We have a lot of mental health talks, um, you know, and I try to be pretty transparent with her and um, just given, you know, the, like, you know, there's definitely my struggles, but you know, or my, my dad had committed suicide and like one of her other grandpas had committed suicide. Like it's a very mental health is a very important thing in our house. Um, even though I struggle quite a bit, it's a, I'm like, it's a pretty open topic. I try to keep anyway. But that's good. I mean, I yeah. think that we have to talk about it. And I mean, obviously it's going to be age appropriate, but I mean, I think that's very different. I mean, even comparing you to like your parents, right? Even the fact that like conversations are being there and, and you're letting her know like mom's not okay. I mean, I think that that's huge. And I mean, obviously that that's a lot of responsibility for her to take on, especially with, you know, your husband being out of the, out of town and that falls on her, but for her to understand and comprehend, like, mom needs this. I'm going to just step in and support her. Like that's incredible. Yeah. She's such a sweet old soul. Um, but yeah, we, I try to be, you know, you know, like you said, you know, like it's definitely age appropriate, but I try to be open with her. Like we've had conversations of like, I'm not okay. Be patient with me. I'm trying, you know, and like, you know, so, I mean, we definitely, I'm like, we definitely have conversations and you know, whether it's me that's struggling or different things that she's going with. I'm like, we try to be, you know, open and honest there for each other. <laughs> yeah, for sure. How are you today? I mean, obviously like sharing your story and, and wanting and feeling motivated to do that, but how are you genuinely today? Um, today I am good. It sometimes it's still day by day, but I feel like, you know, I'm definitely improving. Um, yeah. So I'm like, it is kind of interesting because I could have, you know, two weeks of feeling like super great. And then I have a couple of really hard days, you know, but I'm like the good, um, like the better days are definitely outweighing the bad. So I'm like, like you're it, on an upward spiral. Upward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes me getting better. <laughs> What do you, when you think back, like, what is the one thing or a couple of things that you miss most about your dad? Oh, he was so goofy. <laughs> he was so goofy. Um, okay. So no wonder you fell in love with Spencer. That makes oh, so much I know. sense now. <laughs> I mean, they're so different, but to be honest, I had a really hard time when I met his dad. Um, because his dad is so similar to my dad. And I was like, this is creepy. Um, it was like, it was just not creepy, but it was, it was kind of hard because like they have very similar man, you know, similar mannerisms and hobbies and like how they dress. Like it, there were so many things that were just so much the same. Um, and you probably was, pushed that away. Like, did you find yourself initially pushing that away just because it was like a, something that hit home, but B like because it's so close to home that like you didn't really want to attach to again. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I pushed it away. I was a little nervous of it at first, but I just kind of, I kind of went just like went into it, you know? And I'm like, I go, like I've gone fishing with this dad. And it's just like, you know, we have a really, I feel like we have a really great relationship. Um, but I was really, I was hesitant of it, of it at first, but I don't think I, I don't think I pulled away at all. I think I'm more just kind of milked into like it, is the wrong word it. Too, but yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of embraced it. And it like, it's, 
I'm like, I feel like it's a really good reminder for me, you know, and it just kind of keeps that piece of him in my life, even though it's, you know, my father-in-law. Yeah. And what are the ways like anniversaries, birthdays, what are you like, how do you and your sister and mom honor dad and, and just remember him? Oh, that's definitely evolved over the years. Um, you know, on the anniversary of him dying, we usually just reach out to each other to see how everyone's doing or just be like, you know, I'm thinking of you. Um, that's pretty much it for that. And then birthdays, sometimes we'll reach out. Um, his birthday was last week and we didn't do a thing. So um, it just kind of, you know, I'm like, yeah, I think it, and not together anyway, but I'm like it. I don't know. It just kind of evolved a little bit. I'm like, he's, it's still very present in my life. And I definitely think of him constantly. Um, but I'm like, I don't like, I don't go visit the cemetery very often anymore. I used to, um, but like, I really just don't even do that very often anymore. Just because it's too painful or just because you've chosen to kind of honor him in your own different ways. I think it's more about honoring him in kind of my own way. Um, you know, and I don't think the cemetery is painful at all. Um, like in high school, I would go, I would drive over to the cemetery and like do my homework there. Like it, it was always a peaceful place for me and like, I'll still do that. But, um, like, and where I got married was just right next door. Um, you know, it, like, I feel like there was always been a piece that like kind of keeps that close to me, but at the same time, I feel like I'm at a different place where I just, I really just don't go visit often, but I have, I have a lot of things around my house that are, you know, that keep him very present in our family, like in our lives, you know? And like, I, like I have this really big sketch of him that I have hanging in, in my hallway that my kids are always talking about. And it has some of his favorite things on there. Like it has fly fishing and diet Coke and a jelly rancher. Like there's a few different things on there that were just like very him, um, that my cousins had, uh, made for us. But I, so I have that on the wall and like, I have different things of his kind of around the house. And so, you know, it stays pretty present and we talk about him quite a lot, like with, um, with my kids and things like that. Yeah. So he's near and he's on mm-hmm. your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So you just have your own ways to honor him. Yeah. If you could go back in time and especially like through your healing, what would you do differently? Therapy. <laughs> Therapy sooner. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I took the right route with therapy. Um, I, Yeah. I'm like, you know, how, how things evolved with therapy in the beginning, I definitely wouldn't have done that (laughs) personally, because I mean, it, it really wasn't a great experience for me, but, um, but I definitely think like being open to help makes a massive difference. Um, and I definitely think if I, would stay more open. Like I, I go through periods where I'm more open than others. Um, you know, with, uh, with the people in my life or, you know, if I wanted to, you know, with looking into, you know, therapy or, um, some kind of coaching, you know, like I definitely have sometimes been more closed off because I'm dealing with the deeper, darker parts of myself. Um, and so if I were to go back, I would, really try to work through that and the trauma of that day sooner. I'm like, I definitely wouldn't have put it off. Yeah. Um, just because I felt like I was doing fine. It's like there's deep rooted issues there. Yeah. Which I mean, I do think is also developmentally kind of stigmatized, right? Like when you're 13, no teenager, I don't know a single teenager that willingly wants to go to therapy. And in a teenager's world, like you said, 
they don't have a grasp or an idea of what real life is like. And so for them, like, especially when their parents shove them into therapy or say like, Hey, Courtney, you're really struggling with this. You need to go talk to someone. Like we, as a teenager do not understand that we are caring about our friends and hanging out and parties and homework and not about anything else. I mean, even our parents, I think fall, you know, less than priority because we're just so self-absorbed in our own world. And so I think that your age kind of deterred you from really being open to getting help because A, you were forced into it and B, as a teenager, you're invincible. You don't think anything's ever going to affect you. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely a stigma and I was always a really, I, I was always a social butterfly and wanting to be everyone's friend and everything. And so with losing a lot of friends, that in itself was very difficult for me, but the friend, the, well, at times the friends that I had had, um, I was probably more open with them about where I was at, not, not about what, like things that had happened, but like with what I was doing in my day to maybe more Mike, my day to day, um, than I should have been. And, you know, talking about going to therapy was one of those things that I probably shouldn't have talked about at that point in time. Um, because then I was bullied for that too, you know, cause it's like, Oh, she's crazy. She has a shrink. Like there were all of these things that, um, you know, really, really led to me condensing my friend group pretty tightly. Yeah. And validating you not to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so awful. There were a lot of reasons. Yeah. There were a lot of reasons to not talk about it. Yeah. And then you, it sucks even more because like coming home with your mom and sister, you guys weren't talking about it. So it was just kind of this deep, dark secret. All of you guys kept, you know, pushing over. Yeah. And us not talking about it really put a strain on our relationship with my dad's family. Like, and I understand they wanted answers and we just never gave them to them. And so, um, yeah, that, that caused a lot of grief. Um, and I was actually estranged from my dad's family for probably about 10 years. Um, and it was my grandpa that had sent me over the edge, you know, because of like things that he was saying and doing, just not understanding the situation. And it was like, I, you know, and I definitely don't, you know, put fault on my mom for just not wanting to talk about it or change anyone's perception of my dad or anything like that. But, um, it wasn't until years later that I had learned how in the dark, my dad's family was, I thought they all had like a general understanding of what had happened. And that's very much not the case. Do they know now? Like, have you guys been more open and honest about the story now with like family or not really? I'm not really sure to be honest. Um, like I, I have a pretty good relationship with, um, well, I have a relationship with pretty much all of my dad's family now. Um, but I was closest with one of my uncles who, um, was my neighbor for a little while. And so like, I would talk with, you know, him and my aunt, you know, pretty often, um, just given that they lived close to me and I was like a new single mom. And so like, they had helped me out quite a bit. And so like that really helped bring me back into the family, you know? And so, I mean, that's been, I don't know, probably 12 years or so, um, that like, I've really been like bringing my dad, that I really started to bring my dad's family back in. And I definitely don't have much of a relationship with some of the family, but it's, you know, I'm like, it, I'm, I'm involved with that side of the family again anyway. Um, but it really, it wasn't until, um, I was talking with my cousin and, um, he had mentioned something to me about, oh, it was something about my mom being present when my dad died. And that was completely false. Like there were a few different rumors that were circulating within the family itself as to what had happened. And it's like, oh no, like 
none of us were there. You know, it's like, yeah, there's things that happen, but we never fathom that this would be the result. You know, it's like, we figured he just needed to go cool off again. You know, it's like, we never fathom that this was what was going to happen. And because we never talked about it, no one knew, but I thought they did. Yeah. And so, um, there's, you know, so I'm like, there's been a few, a few things mentioned in the family. Um, and I don't know how much that's been like shared with each other. Um, but I've definitely had a little more conversation about it with those that I'm comfortable with anyway, comfortable yeah. with our relationship and where we're at. Yeah. Which, and I think that that's again, pretty typical, right? Like rumors start, speculation occurs and sadly, everybody wants to know the deep, dark details of it. So that, you know, for whatever reason, for drama or to appease their own mind and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it like, I don't know, in my opinion, it's like, does that really matter? I think for some people, they assume that getting all the answers is going to help with their closure. But I mean, even for you or your mom or sister, like you guys knowing 98% of what was going on with your dad and you coming home and living in the same household, it, you know, it's, it's really something that you can't necessarily put words to because it's dad's story and your perspective is only a fraction of that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, and it really has only been, honestly, it's only been in the last couple of years that I really sat back and went, oh, all of these things that happened, like with our family and certain close friends, like these things that had happened, you know, in those like couple of years after, like we were all just grieving in different ways. And that, you know, this is how like it, you know, like with my mom getting remarried, like it was very, very difficult for many of like our family members and friends because like they were still grieving. And it's like, and it was their, like there were certain things that had happened where they were really just grieving in their own ways. And a lot of it wasn't very healthy, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it was, it made a very terrible situation that much harder, you know, and that, yeah. And so I'm like, you know, now looking back, like the things that happened with my grandpa, he was trying to hold on to any piece of my dad he could you know, whether or not he realized that was like taking away from me and my sister, you know, and then like completely damaging our relationship, you know, it, we were all grieving in our own ways and it took a long time to recognize that. Yeah, I can see that. And I think that that, you know, I think is an important aspect to look at that grief happens to everyone differently and everybody has to go through their own experience with it. But it's also interesting when you see it play into a situation like this of how it affects different people or those involved very, very similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was definitely eye-opening, but it I can't believe it took me so many years to be able to recognize it. Yeah. For the like, you know, for these different scenarios. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it's happened as it's needed to. And like you said, it like some people are stubborn and they have to do it on their own time and their own free will. And it doesn't matter how, you know, like even if I was your sister and I forced you into therapy and found you this incredible therapist, like just because you sit in front of that person and you're supposed to talk doesn't mean you're ready to. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I think that your journey may not have been perfect, but it was yours to go along to learn the things that you learned and that brought you to this point. Oh yeah. It, it's definitely shaped me into the person that I am, you know, and you know, the, even with still my deep, dark, twisty parts, it's, um, you know, it's a piece of who I am and my journey to becoming a, you know, a better person. What would you say to that future sense of self if they listen to this recording in six months, in a year, in five years? What do you want to say to future Courtney? Oh, that one's tough. I think one of the, okay, this is going to go deep here. I love it. I'm prepared. (laughs) Um, I think, you know, one of the biggest things is just that like you matter. Like that's, I think that's a really, like, that's just, you know, you hear that all the time, but it's very different to believe it for yourself, you know? And so, um, 
yeah, I think, yeah, you matter. I love that. And it's okay to age. <laughs> it's okay to age. Well, and the okay thing is, age. is I like, I think we're so afraid to grow up, especially when you become an adult, because you see all that life has to offer in its glorious and awful ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do think that like, the more conversations we have about this, the more people are willing to share their stories with one another. Like life doesn't have to be so miserable and you don't have to be so alone. I, I mean, I think that like you matter is literally the epitome of this podcast, right? Is that everyone has a story to tell and yet so many of us feel alone and isolated and feel like our stories or our words don't matter. And really like at the end of the day, if we could honestly look at ourselves in five years, 10 years and tell ourselves what we're going to learn and grow from, like, I know it would make an impact on all of our lives. And I know that like some of us joke about that because it's yes, a fantasy, but honestly, like your words do matter and your story matters and you matter and what you're going to choose to do in the next five years is tremendous for your growth. Yeah. I'm excited to see where I go. I'm excited for you. <laughs> I like want to have you back in like a year to be like, Courtney, where are we at now? <laughs> we'll oh, just do like a yearly well, check-in and be like, give me the update. It's like, well, hmm, let me tell you. This tell is me about what the I've meltdowns done. this year. Yeah. Oh no, you don't want those. <laughs> I do because we all have them. It's true. It's true. We definitely do. Okay, one of my last questions. For those of my listeners or friends and family that are either going through this currently because of someone they've lost to suicide or someone that is going through this in this present moment, what would you tell them? Um, for those who, for those who have lost someone or their you know, that they have someone that is really struggling. I, I would just, you know, make sure you show up, you know, when you are in your very deepest, darkest parts, you're less likely to be asking for help, you know, cause either, you know, it may be the shame. It may be the embarrassment. It, you know, fear of letting people know really how bad it is. Um, and it, you know, if you're showing up, if you're just checking, you know, just check in on your, like, just check on in on people. Um, if you're, you know, if you're staying present, whether or not they want you to be there, they're going to not feel so alone. Um, and, you know, for, you know, for those who lost someone, they're, you know, at least like with our family, we were shutting people out because we just didn't want to deal with everything. You know, I mean, like, you know, we very much were, and we welcomed in a lot of people and a lot of help, but there's a lot of people that just like, don't know what to say. You know, it's like, and there's not really much that you can say, but you can be present, you know, being, you know, just being there. That's, I think that's one of the biggest things that you, that you can do is just be there for whatever it may be. Yeah. And I think going off of that, like, the other thing is you're not going to fix it for them. Like there's not a lot you can say. You're not going to fix it. So don't go into it being that superhero. Just go into it and be present with that person. Ask what they need, have discussions. And if they're like you, they don't want to talk about it. Then don't talk about it. Don't pressure them. Don't make them feel guilty. Don't gaslight them. Just sit there and be with them with whatever emotion they're feeling in that moment. And I think we get so wrapped up into, oh my God, this happened to you. I need to jump in and play life support and save you when you just really need to like be held and supported in that flow of emotion with whatever you're in. Oh, and entirely. Um, I'm not the kind of person that really opens up and lets new people in on kind of like what I've been going through. Um, you know, I, I have my people that I'll reach out to that have seen this side of me before, you know? And so like, they're, the ones, you know, the, I have a couple of friends that were there when my dad died, they've seen me through all of these different stages. And they're the ones that like, I feel like I really 
can turn to and be open and honest about these dark and you know the dark parts but at the same time if someone does you know someone shows up wanting to make sure i'm okay i'm i'm probably going to be masking to be honest you know it's like i'm going to make you think that i'm doing better than i am but that doesn't change the fact that their presence you know and even just talking about nonsense is helpful you know it's like just you know like it really just yeah I'm like, it really just makes such a, a difference and an impact to just have someone around even, you know, and that's why it doesn't matter what you say that, that you may or may not be able to change anything. Yeah. However, if you're around, if you're just someone involved, you're more likely to, I, I feel like I definitely do better when I just have people around. Okay. So final question I have for you, is there any resources or supports or anything that you have found kind of in your journey right after or even in your adult life to really help you process and and be comfortable with talking about this um for me you know i and i know it's it can be different for everyone but for me personally i right after the fact you know i'm really for the at least a few couple years or so I didn't feel like talk therapy was really the best route for me. Um, but I did, I did need just the support of family and friends. I feel like that, that was a really big thing for me, but as far as resources go, you know, I'm like, I'm not saying don't go to therapy because that's definitely not what I'm saying, but I do feel like you need to be open to at least the experience, even, you know, even if you're not really wanting to talk through it, I think that there is a really great benefit to just being open to whatever may come from it. Um, but then also, yeah, I think having, you know, definitely having like your tribe around you, having a really great support system is like it's immense. Like it, you, you have to have some kind of support outside of, outside of therapy. Um, one thing that has really helped me this past year is shadow work. Um, and so that I'm like, that's definitely something that I recommend. I definitely gravitate more towards, um, Oh, I don't know if holistic is the right word, but, um, I definitely gravitate towards certain energies. And so with that, like I'm more drawn to certain people than others. And so, you know, if it's some, what I realistically, what I should have done with therapy initially is been more open with my mom about what my needs were, um, instead of, you know, and so with that, I could have probably found a therapist that would have worked better for me. Um, but I didn't, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, I think having, you know, just really, really being, you know, open-minded, letting people in, asking for help. I, you know, I think that those are really big. I know that, um, safe Utah has some like really good resources out, um, right now, but I think the biggest thing is just making the step to ask for help. Yes, I agree. Um, the one thing I want to touch on that you mentioned is finding a therapist. Like that's one thing I think a lot of people don't understand is that there are basic talk CBT based therapists, but especially in your experience, like you experienced a loss and a trauma. Right. And so I think it's also important to like separate them because you grieve and you process them very differently. You can miss your dad and you can grieve him. And that's one process. But then to look at something like suicide or coming home to your dad who's committed suicide is something on a whole other level that you also have to look at. And so I think it's important for people to look at this, that you're not just like grieving the loss of your dad. And it's as simple as that. You're grieving the loss of this traumatic event that's happened to you and the loss of your dad. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, to piggyback off of what you said, there are therapists that are better equipped to working with that. Um, and there are more and more resources that are coming out for support groups or, um, you know, school 
resources or people in our community that's willing to talk about this now. And so I think it's more accessible as long as, like you said, you're willing to reach out and say, hey, I'm struggling. I need help. Even if it's, mom, I'm not doing okay. Will you please come get ice cream with me? I don't think it has to ever be something intensive. I don't think that it has to resort to you going to therapy every single day or attending a grief support group every week of the, your life. But I think it's using the supports around you and using people like you had as your sister and family to have those conversations and to offer the support with one another, I think is a really, really big process in healing. And I'm glad you have that. Yeah, it's, it's been an adventure, but it's, you know, it's all uphill from here. Yeah. I'm proud of you. And I can't wait for you to see where you go with this. And I just really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for really being courageous enough to reach out and want to tell your story and to be part of this. It means more to me than you're ever going to know. And I really think that you're an inspiration that hopefully will give many people out there different insight on their life but also those that are really struggling in some of those deeper, darkest parts of their lives as well. Well, you're, you're welcome. Um, but also thank you for giving a safe space to be able to talk about it. Uh, my whole point of doing this, right. <laughs> is to share and spread the word. And I'm really, I am really happy that you reached out and that this podcast and my messages have impacted you because that means the world to me. So my intention, my mission with this is clearly working. So I just appreciate you. Um, I, I will definitely put some resources in the description of this podcast so people are able to reach out and find support. Um, but for those of you listening, I'm going to just leave you with the final words that Courtney said. Of, you matter, you're loved, and you're supported. And you do not have to do this alone. Mm-hmm.